The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Columbia Academy, Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoyt with United Country Realty, the law office of David A. Bates, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Tennessee Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yow. Welcome back again to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Thanks for joining us here on the Thursday edition of the show as we talk about high school sports as long as we can. And there's a lot to talk about today, including uh, Loretto's opponent on uh, <laughs> on Friday, uh, Clay County, just want to mention this because it does kind of fit in the narrative of what we're talking about an hour or two. Uh, Clay County sent out a tweet yesterday that included a screenshot of a message from the TWSAA to Clay County fans. It says, please note, MTSU is allowing us to be on their campus for this tournament under the agreement that we will follow their mask mandate. The majority of Clay County fans and students today were not wearing masks in the stands and were not social distancing. If your fans cannot agree to wear a mask, we ask that they do not buy a ticket. TWSAA expects all of your fans to comply with this policy when you return Friday, so please communicate that with your school community. Uh, You know, I didn't notice, um, but not surprising, I guess. Um, They weren't the only ones. So they probably weren't the only ones. And so with that being the case, I'm not, I mean, they, they must've been the worst ones or (laughs) there were other notes sent out and did not make public. public. That's probably what. I don't know, but I mean, Clearly, someone from Clay County agreed with the assessment. (laughs) Either that or they were like, hey, if we don't wear them, we're going to get to come back and do win on Friday. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's 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 something right there. Um, That was strong. Surprisingly, I thought I I just was not expected to hear that. Uh, I would have expected that to be maybe a private conversation. Not that I disagree with it. Because, I mean, they weren't wearing their masks in public, so why would you make an issue? I mean, it's a public thing. So, yeah, it'll be interesting, and I'm sure a number of people will be taking note of the Clay County contingencies compliance or lack thereof tomorrow. So, yeah. Covington and Macon County finding no trouble. Shoot. up oh, there's JP. He's gone. Is he? Shaking his head. He's saying keep going. He's saying keep going. So keep going. Cool. So Covington and Macon County finding no trouble shooting from the outside this morning. So 
anyway, just want to let you know about that. Macon County has made two from about 29 feet, one of them from the MTSU logo, <laughs> and <laughs> knocked it down. I was like, dang, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so as we get ready for the AAA Girls State Tournament today, uh, one of the teams who is scheduled to take place in, in the tournament didn't know if they were going to be able to play or not. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We've talked about it extensively on the show already. Arlington situation, they were removed from the, the playoffs after an altercation following a game between uh, them and Dyer County in the region semifinals. Between, between a, well, well, a coach's son, right. allegedly, and a Dyer County coach. Now, we don't know what happened at all to instigate the, the alleged assault. We don't know what actually happened between the coach and the coach's son. We don't know anything. All we know is that Arlington was dismissed from the playoffs, and uh, it appeared Collierville was going to uh, advance to the state tournament. Then a judge issued an injunction, and Arlington was allowed to play Collierville. They were scheduled to play on Tuesday, ended up playing on Monday, a game that Arlington won. And yesterday we got the final word on that, and to tell us more about it, we have John Varlis of the Daily, and Mem- Daily Memphian on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. Uh, John, welcome in. What do you have on the latest Hey, good morning, Chris and Mo. Thank you for having me, and I'm I'm pleased to see that you guys have so many sponsors. That means your show's doing well. So I'm glad for that. Well, we try. Thank you. <laughs> we need all the help we can get. If you got anybody from Memphis that wants to sponsor us, send them our way. But um, yeah, I, I mean, you've been kind of front row to this whole situation. Uh, I'll pull up short of debacle, but you know. Shed some light on this Arlington situation for us. Sure, I will. Um, yeah, you, you guys have recapped it pretty well. And uh, yesterday, Judge uh, Judge Jenkins ruled about um, 5.30 in the afternoon yesterday. There was a long day of deliberation on Monday. Uh, you know, lots of wrangling back and forth with the attorneys from both sides, lots of uh, – Lots of cases, you know, presented into evidence that, you know, they felt were citing precedent for the the points they were trying to argue and things of that nature. We heard uh, testimony from a couple of Arlington parents. Each each one of them testified for about 40 or 45 minutes. So, you know, pretty long day on on Monday. And the judge took everything under advisement and said he would come back Tuesday and rule, and he did late Tuesday afternoon. And he ruled in favor of Arlington. I think the thrust of his ruling, Mo, was that due to the contract signed by Arlington High School as a, as a TWSAA member, you know, they, the school signed a contract with the TWSAA to participate, you know, in the TWSAA. He ruled, and Arlington's lawyers were successfully able to convince him and make the case that the girls on the team were third-party beneficiaries of this contract and were therefore being denied their rights to participate in the state tournament by the TWSAA ruling. I think, 
you know, I mean, there's a lot more to it that he said, obviously, but I think that's in essence, that's the long and the short of that. He felt like the TWA's decision was, you know, somewhat arbitrary. Uh, he felt like not being able to participate in the state tournament were denying these, these girls of their, their rights and their, you know, opportunities to be seen by, you know, college coaches and, and, and whatnot, things of that nature here at the state tournament. Um, so that was the first of it. It was, uh, it was an, an interesting decision to be sure. Um, you know, having watched all the proceedings from start to finish, I honestly had no idea how it was going to go. So, um, so he decided and, and Arlington is here or on the way here <laughs> and they're going to play a uh, Blackman at seven o'clock tonight. And, you know, we will see how it goes, but yes, it's been an interesting uh, week or so since the whole thing started on, uh, on March 2nd. What have you heard, John, about the incident? Do you know anything more than we know? Well, I, I only know what the you know what the TWSWA letter said to the you know to Arlington, and also I have a copy of the police report. I mean, you guys have described it accurately. There was there was uh, an incident after the game where the coach's son attacked the uh, Dyer County coach Derek McCord. Um, there's 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 two schools of thought. Uh, one is that he said something, um, you know, during the course of the game that the coach's son overheard and, 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 and that, you know, antagonized the coach's son. Another, there's, you know, also another school of thought going around that there was uh, some bad blood from an incident. Um, the two teams played back in December, apparently, and there was some bad blood and some stuff left over from an incident there. So, you know, you know, nobody's in question, you know, nobody disputes what happened in the parking lot after the game. Um, you know, nobody that I've talked to seems to know exactly what was said. I mean, I think you can deduce that it, you know, was probably one of three things. I mean, he, and I don't want to, I don't want to speculate, but you know, you can probably deduce what he said and, you know, that might've antagonized the son to that point. And it, and it you know, it's a bad situation, but I, I'm not going to speculate on what he said. But you know, you can use, use your imagination the extent of what might have been said to pro- provoke a kid in this manner. So, um, John, the the information that I've seen and and read and that kind of thing was was a little sketchy. But I kind of got the impression that maybe the coach's son was in a vehicle with members of the team when yes. this situation took place is there any accuracy or is there any possibility that that was the case and maybe that was the basis for the TWSAA's initial action exactly you're exactly right well the, the, the TWSAA, you know, to, to, to my knowledge, to my understanding, the TWSAA was not going to get involved um, until they determined that, that at least one Arlington basketball player was involved. You have a situation where the coach's son does not attend Arlington. He's not a part of the basketball team. So if he causes trouble after the game, you know, obviously that's, that's not an Arlington problem where it became an Arlington problem and a TSSAA problem, you're right. It was determined, um, you know, both in the TSSAA investigation and in the arrest report. So, I mean, this knowledge is, again, this is not in dispute either by either party. 
yeah, the son was taken from a scene in a car driven by one of the Arlington players. And, and, and to my mind, at least, that's when the TWSAA felt like they got involved and it became a team thing as opposed to just, you know, a, a, a random individual not directly associated with the program, you know, causing problems after the game. You're exactly right. Okay. All right. So (laughs) that being the case, I mean, to my way of thinking, Arlington is not squeaky clean in this situation. I mean, it's not a, poor us, you know, we didn't have anything to do with this. Why are we being penalized? Well, you had players that while they did not assault this coach were involved in the assault from the standpoint. I mean, I'm who was driving the car? Because it, it sounds like to me that they were driving. They saw the coach. They got out, just got back in the car and took off. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, you know? one of the one of the players. Yeah, one of the players was driving the car. I mean, oh. I, I I could I could I could tell you who it was, you know, off the record. But um, that's okay. You know, I, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna name her because she's a minor. I mean, but yeah, her name mm-hmm. is the is in the arrest report. And um, yeah, so one of the players was driving the car. Um, and, and you're right. That's what makes it such an interesting case, Mo. Is is you know, to what to what extent to what extent should the Arlington team, you know, be punished? Because, you know, talking to these parents, you know, their their contention is and and, and let me backtrack, the, the the injunction was filed by the parents on, on behalf of the players. So so talking to a, a couple of these parents, you know, during the course of the past week and listening to their testimony and whatnot, you know, their contention is, well, we never you know, we never fought, we never threw a punch, we never touched anybody, you know, why are we being punished? And, and you know, that is exactly right. They didn't fight, they didn't touch anybody, they didn't do anything in that sense. But but like you like you point out, they are, at least one of them is definitely tied to the situation in, in the sense that they, you know, helped the, uh, the, 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 the perpetrator or the alleged assailant or, you know, however you want to identify him, you know, escape the scene. So, you know, that's where it becomes a problem for the TWSAA. And it's just, it, you know, it, and that's what made it such a confusing and, you know, kind of thorny situation with, um, you know, and, and it's not as clear cut as a lot of cases, you know, a lot of cases we've seen, so, you know, you got a team that fights and, and you got players out there throwing punches and it's, you know, pretty straightforward. You punish them. This is a little, a little bit more of a gray area. So, what you know, what responsibility to, does the Arlington basketball team bear in this situation? And you know, apparently, the, the judge felt like they they weren't at fault. You know, to, to the point where they couldn't play in the state tournament. Could the TWSAA have um, maybe mitigated some of this blowback by? only suspending the person who was named in the arrest report, would that have been a, a better option for them in your opinion? I think there certainly, I think there certainly could have been some better options, Chris. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Arlington offered up some self-imposed penalties, um, you know, as part of their investigation and communication with the TWSAA, they offered up some self-imposed sanctions. Um, 
nothing was mentioned in regards to the player. They did offer up a, a suspension for for Coach Shields and you know some other things that were you know relatively minor. And then the TWSWA accepted all that, but you know in in Bernard Childress's statements to the Arlington principal Chris Duncan, he stated that given the severity and, and the nature of the situation, he felt like Arlington self-imposed things weren't, you know, didn't quite go far enough. And that's when the, the TWSWA came down with its initial hammer to, to put them out of the tournament and then put them on restrictive probation for, for next year. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think if, I think if people had gotten together, uh, you know, on, on both sides and maybe offered up some sort of compromise, maybe offered up something with the player and perhaps, you know, something a little more stringent on, on Coach Shields. You know, possibly a lot of this could have been avoided, but they didn't, and and it wasn't, and, you know, and here we are. All right. Well, that is what we know is Arlington will play tonight at 7 o'clock against Blackman, and that's and that's the end of it. I mean, that that's the that's the end-all, be-all. So we are we're, – we're playing this tournament tonight, and I'm – I will be curious to hear uh, any crowd reactions uh, to their team being in the state tournament. I, I got a feeling there's going to be some pretty loud cheers in Murphy Center when they take the floor. So, well, I, I agree, and I, I, you know, you guys have been around for a long time, and I, I, I'd be curious to hear just in general terms. I mean, I mean, what, what, you know, what do you guys think of? I mean, do you guys? Because to me, I feel like this case kind of sets a precedent. I, I, I kind of feel like it honestly mm-hmm. sets a dangerous precedent that the TWSWA, you know, anytime they punish a school, no matter how valid mm-hmm. the reason or no matter how clear cut the situation may be, you know, a, a group of parents could potentially get together and, 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 and take them to court and, and argue, you know, similarly to what the. Um, Arlington attorneys argued. I mean, do, do you guys think this kind of sets a bad precedent? Because I honestly do, and, I, and I'm concerned about how the TWSWA is going to be able to address future situations going forward that, yes. that might be a lot more clear-cut than this one. I agree wholeheartedly. Yes. I, I, think def- I think it definitely takes some teeth, so to speak, out of the TWSWA and what they're able to to do from a governing standpoint, I mean, you, you laid it out perfectly. Anytime somebody doesn't like a disciplinary decision that the TWSWA has arrived at, you know, you take it to court. And um, I don't know, for, for lack of a better way to put this, John, I feel like maybe there is a bit more hostility toward the TWSWA in the Shelby County area. I mean, this is just the latest in a series of situations that have found their way into the courtroom involving a Memphis slash Shelby County area program and the TWSWA. Sure, sure. You, you guys have, I mean, you guys all know about the James Wiseman situation from a few years ago, but I mean, and you're right, Mo. There's always a sense of, of that in, in Memphis. There's always a sense of everybody wanting to, you know, quote unquote, stick it to the man and, and see the man get, you know, his comeuppance and that kind of thing. And, you know, but it, it's it's a tough situation. And honestly, it, the whole thing was an, an unfair situation for everyone. It was unfair for, 
you know, it's, un, it's unfair for the, the kids at Arlington, honestly, to have to be on hold like they have been. It's unfair to Collierville, you know, like Chris mentioned, you know, trying to figure out what they were going to do. It's unfair to black men. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they didn't find out who they're going to play in the state tournament until, you know, basically 24 hours before the game. It's, 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 it's unfair to everybody. And I, I'm just concerned with the precedent it sets. And, you know, I certainly hope, um, I certainly hope it doesn't set a bad precedence where, you know, any any decision that DSSAA hands down is, is you know, just automatically going to be taken to court. And, you know, they're going to spend time in court litigating every every punishment they hand down because I, I, you simply can't tie the TSSAA's hands when it comes to, to disciplining schools in, in certain situations. You, you can't do that. Otherwise, you don't have an organization. 100% correct. John, thanks so much for hanging out with us today on uh, Southern Mississippi Sports today on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. John Varlow, the Daily Memphian, we appreciate your time. Thank you guys always. Thank you for having me. And, uh, Mo, I hope I can see you soon, buddy. Sounds good, John. Thanks. Take care. All right. That's John Varlow of the Daily Memphian on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. When we come back, we'll talk with Stephen Hawkins who will join us on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline from the Chattanooga Free Press to talk about more TWSLA handing down sanctions. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bonin. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Talking high school sports. Here's Mo and Chris. Welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Thank you guys for hanging out with us here on WKOM, WZYX, and Facebook Live. We are excited to bring you the most recent and updated high school sports news from across the state of Tennessee, from literally one end to the other. <laughs> Um, right now, over in Murfreesboro, I believe it is halftime where Macon County leads Covington 22 to 20. Uh, Jalen Gregory with 11 points for Macon County to lead all scorers through the first half. Uh, like I said, I've been kind of keeping an eye on this one over here on my phone. And uh, these girls are having no issue uh, with the the, the three-point lines. <laughs> and nobody's happier to see Jalen Gregory making herself at home at the Murphy Center than Rick Ensel and the Middle Tennessee State coaching staff because she is a 
soon to be Lady Ruth. Yeah. Uh, if she's fogging it up from the, the logo and knocking <laughs> them down, yeah. they're going to be happy to, to, to see that um, more often uh, in the future. Speaking of, they play at one thirty today, I believe. I believe the uh, MTSU will play at one thirty today in the Conference USA Tournament. Hmm. So there's that. Uh, but, yeah, so a lot of um, a lot going on in high school hoops this morning. Uh, again, we will have – we'll be tomorrow in Murfreesboro uh, at the Murphy Center. We'll be live on location again on Friday, but only with a one-hour show as uh, Loretto and Summertown will be taking on uh, semifinal opponents – Loretta will tip off at 10 o'clock against Clay County. Summertown takes on North at 1130. We will have full coverage for you there on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports, uh, sm-tnsports.com. You can find coverage from yesterday's games also on sm-tnsports.com. We've got box scores from all four Class A teams. We've got uh, full stories and photo galleries from both Loretto and Summertown. And we also have that uh, that. Columbia State softball story. So plenty of, plenty of reading material for you uh, wherever you like to do your reading <laughs> on the Internet. Um, I know where I typically end up doing mine, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> oh, man. So essentially, oh, oh, oh real quick, I, I we'll get to this in, in the you know, we're talking about C tournament and whatnot, but did you see that Duke has um yeah. in their season? Uh, yeah. Um interesting. They they had a um a positive test and as a result will not be playing in the ACC tournament and so obviously will not be playing in the NCAA tournament. Um and they- they were a whole bubble team going into the tournament. They needed to win a couple games. Mm-hmm. So not being able to play in it probably says they're not going to get in. You would think. And, you know, what makes this particularly interesting is that um, Krzyzewski had already had said earlier in the year, back before Christmas, um, they had a couple of games. Either lost a couple of games or they had a couple of games that they couldn't play or something. I don't remember exactly what the situation was. But he, at that time, spoke out against, you know, why are we even playing this season? So it's kind of coincidental slash ironic that they will have a situation that takes them out of the mix for the postseason. Well, it's it's of their own doing. Uh, Duke did not stay in the Greensboro Hotels as other ACC teams did. Uh, so they they did not choose to stay in the hotel uh, this week at uh, the ACC tournament site in Greensboro. So that's partly on them. Secondly, according to um, some reports, uh, the positive COVID test is from a walk-on, <laughs> which is brutal. <laughs> that's that that's pretty tough. I mean it. You know, it, it it shouldn't matter, but at the same time, I mean, it, it just feels different if it was a starter that's averaging, you know, 32 points a game or something like that versus a walk-on who, who barely gets a uniform. Yeah. 
Guys, if if I may uh, hop in on this conversation, allow me to be the Duke hater, yes. which which I'm not, by the way. But is is this not such a Duke move to yes. remove themselves before they get eliminated <laughs> by somebody else? And they're like, hey, but, but, you know, we we took ourselves out. We you know we didn't lose. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, this is such a that, Duke move. That, that's interesting so that's the first thing that came to my mind jp don't 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 (laughs) think you're don't think you're out there too far on a limb i you're right with you and uh i didn't think about that but but it certainly it it's it makes sense i mean it's a it's a fair possibility to consider yeah anyway I thought it was. Uh, it is. It is unfortunate for that Duke team who was uh, sitting on the bubble. Uh, March twelfth, nineteen ninety-five, is the last time that Duke officially found out it would not be included in the NCAA tournament. Twenty-six so, years, roughly. So, uh, twenty-six years or twenty-five years, three hundred sixty-four days. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as we, I mean, it's almost a foregone conclusion that they're not going to get in. Um, they really needed to win a game or two in the tournament. Well, and I mean, if you're a bubble team, yeah, you, you, you're yeah. not. You, you, and you don't, and you don't, situation. yeah, and you didn't, yeah, and you don't play in your conference tournament. Whereas other bubble teams may, even if they lose in the conference tournament, at least they have to play. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. Um, here's a good question. If, if Duke and, uh, if this Duke situation is any indication, what happens if you know, a one seed gets one positive test right before the NCAA tournament? You know, hmm. I mean, do we test everybody every day and just keep going until, I mean, they're going to get tested every day in, in in Indiana, in right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, just just thoughts there. Uh, we are scheduled to have Stephen Hargis on in uh, uh, right now, and I hope that he didn't think it was eleven thirty Central time, <laughs> which is it, it's fine. Um, let's go ahead and talk about it real quick, mm-hmm. though, because uh, you know we don't have Stephen. We, we can talk about. This. Was it early this week, late last week, when we found out that uh, South Pittsburgh head coach Vic Greider was going to uh, retire? It was last week that we found out he was going to retire. So Vic Greider announced his retirement last week. This week, the TWSAA hands down two-year probation to uh, South Pittsburgh for recruiting violations. Coincidence? I think not. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, which we, we talked about it all year long last year that, that we assumed that it was Vic Grider's final year anyway. So, but does South Pittsburgh recruit necessarily? I guess it depends on your definition of recruiting. I, I, I've always said 
that there are some programs that reach such to. a reach such a level of success that they're not out <laughs> their coaching staffs aren't out at junior pro football games or or whatever it is you know yeah, encouraging kids to come to their school. I mean, their success sells itself. I will tell you, and here's here's what I know. Rush Probst at Hoover, who, by the way, Joe Williams says is the top candidate to replace Vic Grider now. <laughs> uh, and I thought that was funny. Um, Rush Probst, when he was at Hoover, recruited a lot. Even though his program was great, he still recruited, and the way that he recruited was he was going to these camps where his kids were playing, and he would buddy up to um, he'd buddy up to you know a player that maybe he thought was really good, and just say uh, you know, boy, uh, we'd love to have a talent like you over at Hoover, <laughs> and not necessarily recruiting, but one, what is it? If not, but, cer- but certainly opening up the door. And saying, "Hey, you'd be welcome if you wanted to come to Hoover." Uh, That's recruiting. It. No, no, that's recruiting. I don't know. Not according to. That's, not a, that's not according to the people who uh, who who made those arguments in at to the AHSA. That's all I'm that, saying. That's, uh, that's I can't disagree with you. I think it's, it's <laughs> certainly. It's certainly towing the line, and it, it's one of those uh, where you where you take your toe on the first baseline and kind of dip your toe in the chalk just a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's there, but it ain't all the way there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, okay. So anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's get some more information on the South Pittsburgh situation from Stephen Hargis of the Chattanooga Times Free Press because he he is the first person who I saw have a story on this situation. So on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline is Stephen Hargis. Welcome in and uh, thanks for joining us. Hey guys, how are you? We're we're doing okay, Stephen. Appreciate you taking some time with us this morning. As we mentioned, um, the news came out, I guess, last week that Vic Grider was officially retiring as Pirates head coach. And then the news comes down here in the last 36 hours or so that South Pittsburgh is going on two-year probation for violations of the recruiting rule. Um, What do you know? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for him, uh, this is it's it's a it's a bad look, and, and and he realized it when he called me and told me about the the probation stuff. Um, but there's there's actually honestly there's there's no link between those because I, I I know this before the season even started last summer, Vic had told me that that, that was going to be his last year. He had his thirty years in as a teacher. <clears throat> he was going. His plan was he's got some friends who coach down into Georgia, and he said if I don't get a head coaching job. I'm going to go be an assistant for a year or so and then see if something else opens, but I'm going to Georgia to be a coach. So we knew, you know, in, in, in December after they lost the state championship, he had told me, hey, I'm sending off my paperwork to uh, uh, to the state, you know, to retire from Tennessee. He's going to go ahead and get my record and all the, all the things that you need to have in there. He said, because as soon as we get the paperwork back, we're going to announce the retirement. So the two don't have any, I, I don't think, have any correlation it's it's really bad timing that's the first thing when he called the school actually called me to say hey we're, we just got the report back from people today we've been working with him on this um you know we want to make sure that we're we're out ahead of it that we're not trying to duck anything out or, or whatever so here's here's where we are and they sent me the letter from the people today and that kind of stuff so um you know when i when i called dick about it you know that he said two things he was really ticked off about he said one 
the fact that we, you know, someone from the quarterback club uh, went, you know, kind of went out there on their own and, and you know, in their view was, was helping the family. But he said, you know, if, if they pick up the phone and call either myself or the principal, then we, we stop them immediately and say, you can't do that. If it's going to be a bad look for the program. And two, the timing of it, you know, a week or so after I've retired, people are going to look at it and, and put two and two together and think that there was some correlation to it. But I, I really don't just because of the, the conversations that he and I had in the preseason last year and even right after the state championship game that he was – all the wheels were in motion for him to uh, to retire and go into Georgia to coach. It certainly is interesting timing, as you said, Stephen. And, and, you know, I specifically remember Chris and I also discussing that you know, over the course of the season, when South Pittsburgh would come up, you know, we would mention that it was expected that this was going to be Vic Griders last year. So, you know, the connection between the two isn't necessarily there, but it I don't think it's arguable that it is a bad look. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, he, he, he knew that. I mean, you know, when, I, when I spoke to him about it, you know, that's like I said. That's one of the, the two things that really ticked him off about it was just the timing of it because it it's a bad look for him. I mean, here's a guy who goes out, you know, after 30 years with without any issues with the Tito to play, and then right after he announces his retirement, they have an issue with the Tito to play, and it, it's only natural for people to put those two things together and then think there was something to it. But if I had not had the conversations with him that I had back last summer and and even in December then I would have been much more skeptical about it. But just those conversations uh, lead me to think that, you know, it's, it's just it's, uh, bad timing is, is all that was. <laughs> I guess the obvious question is, how does this impact their coaching search? <laughs> well, I, I haven't spoken to the principal since, uh, since the conversation we had yesterday uh, just to, to deal with just the Tito play issue. He, he expected, though, he said, look, you know, we've gotten quite a few resumes. He said uh, the folks that, that we were kind of zeroing in on to, to have a top five or ten list, you know, the first conversation we'll have is, is to reach out to them and say, <clears throat> does this affect your interest at all? And, you know, I think they kind of expect there, there likely would be one or two that, that may hesitate on it. And, and if so, you know, then it, it's going to be understandable. And they would just withdraw those those names from, from the list and, and move on from the guys who still uh, are interested. Uh, but I, I certainly I would think there's going to cause some some out there to at least hesitate or to do some more homework just to check into you know what what were the details what happened uh, what am I walking into? So uh, speaking with Stephen Hargett on the uh, Park Commercial Hotline, Stephen, tell me one you know obviously this was a booster club situation and the booster club member thought they were helping a family and that's understandable completely if that is the case um but at what point did coach Grider find out about when or i guess the conversations had between the family and the booster club member and did this player play after that or do we oh well the, or does the, it the, matter yeah, no. The rent was paid after the season. It was it was the December payment uh, that that the family was behind on. So the, the the payment was made after the season was over. That was in December. Uh, when I spoke to Vic, you know, he he said he found out about it when the Tito's play called them and asked them to look into it. There were actually three allegations that were turned in, and two of them they were they were able to debunk. And this one, once they checked into it, uh, I mean, it was one phone call to the quarterback club 
and, and to find out, you know, did you do this? And um, found out that they had. And so, you know, the the family, here's here's the bad thing. The family um, was unaware of who had paid made the payment. The, the mom actually thought maybe like someone from a local church had made it. When they went in January to make it to catch up on their payment, they were told by the landlord, you're caught up. You know, someone from the community made a, made a, uh, uh, made your, your December rent payment. And so the family, according to her, they didn't say who had made it. They just said your, your rent was paid by someone in the community. And so the reason the family is so upset by this was that, you know, they, they said they never asked the help. It's a small community. Once I guess word got out, they were behind on their rent and, and someone from the quarterback club took it on themselves to, to make the payment in the family is, is, the biggest thing they're upset about is they feel like, you know, they didn't ask for the help. They didn't know where it came from. The the mom actually thought it was one of the local churches, maybe that they were a member of that, that knew they were struggling and had reached out and paid it. And I, I went back through her Facebook <clears throat> account and, and saw one uh, from several weeks ago where she'd made a post several weeks ago that just said, there's a guardian angel in our community. Thank you, whoever you are, which leads me to believe that she maybe didn't know who it was. Yeah, she um, had no idea. So, that she had no idea that she just knew the, the, the rent had been paid. And, you know, I mean, we're all, especially, you know, Mo, you know, this, we're all built to be skeptical when you're in the media. Uh, but, you know, just doing a little research, it sounds like she's, she's telling the truth on that. Uh, you know, I, I have no reason to, to know, you know, one way or the other, whether, uh, whether Vic knew about it immediately or, or afterward, he says, you know, that he, he was told about it from the people's display and checked into it. <clears throat> and uh, and immediately came back and said, no, you know, two of the allegations uh, are, are not true. Here's the proof. The third allegation, yeah, we're, we're actually guilty of. I made a phone call to someone in the quarterback club, and, and there was a payment made, and here's, here's the proof of that. And uh, well, so, you know, they, they kind of took, their, took the medicine on I, that. I have to ask, Stephen, <laughs> when these type of allegations come about, someone has to make them. Um and it certainly wasn't South Pittsburgh. Would this be any kind of way related to your book, Eight Hateful Miles? <laughs> I, I think that's the general consensus uh, in in the community, but I, I don't know. Um, I asked Vic about that, and he laughed, and he said, "We assume so." He said, "But you know, the point is, it, it really doesn't matter who turned it in." He said, "You know, uh, at, at the end of the day, he said, we can't argue it. it. It was it was done. We're guilty. Uh, we we have to kind of move on from here." Um, in a so, small community like that, it just feels like, I mean, heck, 80% of the, the adult males in that community are probably members of the of the quarterback club. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it just feels like it, that that's kind of a, a ticky-tack situation depending on how it played out. I, mean, I don't know the details, but it, it, it certainly could be either very egregious or a – or something that's just taken way out of context. Uh, and I don't understand how, I mean, if this player's already living there, if, if you pay their rent, how, how is that recruiting them? And that one, I, I really, I, I, I'm not sure on that. And like <laughs> my question there would be, okay, if this was a kid who, who had lived here his entire life, you know, is, is it a, is it in a violation if the family was in need? I'm assuming it is no matter, you know, it, it doesn't matter how long they've been there that, and when I spoke to Bernard yesterday, he said, look, we don't consider quarterback clubs to be a separate entity from the football program. But, you know, where is there a gray area in terms of, okay, well, the quarterback club pays for the kids' cleats, every, you know, cleats, warm-up stuff, I mean, all that kind of – so, you know, what, what are improper benefits? Obviously, rent is, 
But, um, you know, I know there's some gray area that people have asked questions that have kind of, you know, I've never dealt with this, um, this specific type situation. So, you know, some folks in the community have asked me questions that I had to go, huh, I'm, I'm not sure. Let me check. Let me call Bernard at some point and, and ask. I'm not sure on that. Um, but I mean, you know, the, the one thing I will say is, is when I spoke to the, the principal, actually called me and said, Hey, we're going to forward you the letter from the people to play. You know, this, this has happened. And, and, you know, two of them we've, we've debunked, uh, the third one we're guilty of what else do you need? And I, you know, at that point I'm, I'm in reporter mode and I said, well, let me, let me look at the letter and I'll call you back and get some quotes to, to find out the details of it. Um, but, but there has been, you know, since then, uh, once the story's out there and, and, you know, folks start to, to call or text and asking questions, and there's been several that I've written down where, you know, the next time I, I talk to Bernard, it, it's not specific to this case. It's just a, a general question. Okay, what? Let's let's play devil's advocate and say, you know, what is permissible and what isn't? Because I, I don't know. I don't have the answers for that. Oh man, that's uh, it's, it could be an, a question for tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> potentially, if yeah. we can get to Bernard on the family, show I mean, from, from in Speaking with, with someone within the family, I do know that they're you know they're going to appeal this. Um, you know they've they've they're retaining an, an attorney. I mean the, the mother's adamant that since they didn't know about being, their, their son has been and didn't ask for it, didn't reach out to anyone, didn't ask for it, that they're being un, unjustly you know punished or, or her son is. Um, and so we'll see where it goes from there. Now I've, I've been a part of a lot of play appeals and and Mo can tell you how those typically go, but. You know, we'll, hmm. we'll kind of keep an eye on it and see where it goes from here because it, Until, is, it is a unique if situation. They can, I mean, if they can get it heard in Shelby County, they got a shot. Until yesterday. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Change of venue. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're really the, the family are the only ones who are, who are you know, debating any, any part of it. The, the, the principal, Dick, um, you know, none of them, they're all saying, look, once we looked into it, you know, we absolutely, this was, this was something that, we were guilty of, unfortunately, and it's going to be a black eye for the program. But now the family is adamant that they, you know, we, we knew nothing about this and, and we don't want to go somewhere else. This is, this is where we want our son to play his senior year and we want to do this. What steps can we take to try to make that happen? Well, uh, Stephen, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. We really appreciate it. Uh, your insight into this situation is certainly uh, appreciated, no doubt. You bet, guys. Stephen Hargis of the Chattanooga Times Three Press on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. Uh, we're just going to keep it here for the next couple of minutes. I know uh, SEC tournament is today, and we will get a, an eleven o'clock tip with Hell State and Big Blue Nation, Mississippi State <laughs> and Mississippi State. The nine seed takes on Kentucky at eleven o'clock on the SEC Network. Uh, following that will be the Vanderbilt and Florida. Quick turnaround uh, for Commodores. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, and then you, you couldn't have played that game any earlier yesterday. It's not like the SEC Network had anything else going on. Uh, and it was just the one game. Could play at 1 o'clock. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> wow. Anyway, Vanderbilt will play uh, around probably one one thirty today. Uh, that's, that's tough. Yep. And then 6 o'clock tip. Georgia and Missouri, and then 25 minutes following that will be South Carolina and Ole Miss. So that is your schedule for the Southeastern Conference Tournament. The Predators do play tonight. They take on the Carolina Hurricanes. They will be without uh, 
Fabro, Dante Fabro, yep. who has a two-game suspension for uh, blowing a player in the head, uh, which is pretty obvious he did it. So there's that. And before we get out of here, with 6.53 to go in the fourth quarter, Macon County 39, Covington 27. So it looks like uh, Macon County will end the Lady Chargers season. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, 9 o'clock, 9 to 10 tomorrow, on location in Murfreesboro. Come hang out with us if you see us. Uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us down on WZYX, uh, on WKOM, on Facebook Live, and everywhere else. Make sure to check out the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, SM-N Prep Sports and SM-N Sports today. SM-N Sports.com is where you can find all of your coverage for our producer, J.P. Plant, and Mo Patton. I am Chris Yow saying have a great day and stay cool, Columbia. Cool,